Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Everyone will see it. The world will see it. Oh God, I can't watch this. Okay, Hollister, we're going over to the dark side. I know, and I, I'm so sorry I made you go there. You made me do it, <laughs> but I did. I watched Black Mirror, and now um, I can't unwatch it. And I should just say, for those who haven't yet watched Black Mirror, every episode, it's my understanding, is completely different with different um, storylines and different actors. We were only going to talk about the first episode, and do you, you remember the name of the first episode? The national anthem. You might be able to sum up the plot better than better than I could, since I'm still traumatized over your Hollister. If you haven't seen it and you want to see it, then you might not want to listen because you have to talk about the plot along the way. But the show mirrors the Twilight Zone of old, which was, what, 40 years ago, maybe, where each the shows don't relate to each other, but they all have a common sort of science fiction theme. Although for me, I didn't find this Twilight Zone science fiction at all because it really could have easily happened. And whereas the Twilight Zone always had an element of improbability to it, maybe. So it's about the internet and the power of the internet. And basically a princess who is clearly supposed to be Kate Middleton is uh, kidnapped. And in order to get her back, the prime minister must have sex with a pig on TV with cameras showing every single thing uh, or she will not be returned. And at, at first, everybody says that's ridiculous. And then after her finger is supposedly cut off and sent in, uh, the public turns and says, okay, you have to do this. Or what kind of man are you that you would let someone die rather than do something humiliating like having sex with a pig? And then at the end, you're, you know, everybody in the entire world is watching this action because why would you choose not to? Uh, you know, I hope I wouldn't watch something like that, but who the hell knows? And then I became one of them for the sake of this podcast. And <laughs> Hollister, as you know, I've been on the road lately, and so I had to find a place with Wi-Fi, and thank goodness I had a headset with me. <laughs> but I was a little mortified as I found a little Starbucks that I'm watching some of these scenes as people were ordering behind me. Um, but I had, as you can, I'm sure guess, um, I had some issues with it. You know, I found, um, the degrading themes that seem to be happening on the show and the bleakness of it hard to watch because I already agree with the premise. So I already know that technology, while it's brought us many, many benefits, I do recognize that it's having a negative effect on humanity. And I wasn't exactly sure where that left me because here I am watching a TV show via my smartphone off the Wi-Fi in my, you know, public cafe. Um, but what I guess goes against my grain is that to me, it felt like a message play. So for example, plays that try to say something, I find them a little uh -huh. preachy from the outset. So for example, if I go to the theater and the theme of the play is capitalism is bad, you've lost me because I would much rather watch an argument that's very well represented on both sides and plays out like a debate. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's also 45 minutes or 50 minutes or something. And I'm not sure I'm not sure you could show both sides and still have the impact of the negative side. But I did read one smart review, uh, intellectual review, 
And basically, it says it explores how social media of the future will bring about an info dystopia. And of course, I, you know, you went to Harvard, I went to the University of Nebraska, so you probably already knew what dystopia meant, but I had to go to the dictionary and look it up. But I wasn't good enough to and, use it myself. <laughs> I know. And then I was like, oh, of course, the opposite of utopia would be dystopia. Of course it would. And it comes from the Greek. And basically, it's a community or society that is in some important way, important way, undesirable or frightening. It is literally translated as not a good place, an antonym of utopia. And I definitely think that the dangers of the Internet and being so involved in technology versus face-to-face interactions, all of that is very danger-danger-oriented. But the truth is morality is morality, And right is right and wrong is wrong. And having sex with a pig on TV to save somebody's life is something that someone would probably do because a life is worth more than the degrading humiliation of having sex with a pig. Well, Um, okay, I've got to jump in there with a couple things. As I was watching the show that seemed to be saying exactly what you just said, you know, the dangers of social media, I couldn't help think, and I'm sure you've already looked this up, the people producing Black Mirror, I'm quite sure, must have a website and a Facebook page and a Twitter feed, and they're probably hoping this goes viral. And so um, to me, it seemed a little, um, you know, hypocritical that they're making um, so much of this dystopic view, and yet I'm sure they're probably, um, you know, exploiting it at the same <laughs> well, time. The, well, the, the, the mastermind or the Aaron Serkin of this show is Charlie Brooker, who is not known to Americans as much, but certainly known in England. And he's a humorist uh, who is, you know, with an acerbic tongue, who's sarcastic and looks for the dark side and everything. But he's a very famous writer, uh, and and he's a broadcaster in England. So he wrote and produced and directed certainly the first one, and it's his concept to be doing this. And I think he is trying to show with great enormity or slap-you-across-the-face action emotion the dangers of where we're going as a society, no question about it. But he, he's sort of like an Aaron Sorkin kind of guy. I shouldn't say that. He's not known for as a writer, he, but he's a very famous figure in England with a satirical and um, a critical journalist. Uh, he's a screenwriter, producer. He's done a bunch of stuff. Um, and I know, this is my other disclaimer, that since I'm an American, I know I'm prone to endorse swagger. But one of the things that bugged me about this first episode was that the portrayal of the prime minister was such a weak portrayal. And I'm sure that the um, screenwriter was probably trying to say something there, too, in terms of this bleak view of the world today, is that our leaders are weak and technology is ruining us and humans in general are going down the tubes. But when you start an episode where you show a prime minister in a bathrobe and he had lines like, ha, ha, ho, ho, is that a joke? And then when he thinks that they might have caught these terrorists behind it, he actually fist pumped in the air. His wife comes out, she's wearing jeans, and I thought, he's not an office holder. He never kept his cool under pressure. And so for me, that made it less interesting to watch, too. And I have to say, my first husband, H1, as we refer to husbands (laughs) in my world, H1 was British And part of that is not necessarily the fiber from which they're made. It's just the way they behave. 
you know, he was always looking as if he wasn't in charge, H1. But the truth was, he was just very much thinking. And I think this prime minister sort of, I, I understand that British way of sort of cocking your head and and not taking charge verbally, but still knowing that the power's behind there. But what's interesting, too, about what you're saying in terms of how he behaves is the way this, there, you know, one of his top aides, she, uh, she does something that he told her not to do, which comes back to uh, where he, that's when the finger gets sent to him because he didn't follow instructions. And he said, you know, how could you do that? And she said, I, you know, I wanted to set it up. I mean, you know, in other words, that would never happen, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of who's running this country, well, but that um, character that was played by Lindsay Duncan, who I keep seeing in so many things. She was in the movie about time. She's in the TV show, you, me, and them. And to me, she was the only person acting on behalf of the government who actually had gravitas just uh, in terms of watchability. I thought she was much more watchable, but as a viewer asked to swallow this premise, I just thought there's no way that he should truly consider conceding to the terrorists. But that's what I thought was so brilliant about it is he wasn't conceding to the terrorist he was conceding to public opinion and yet even that to me was so you know like it had his decision had nothing to do with right or wrong in terms of their policies it had everything to do with 98 percent of the people in the world think you need to do this and if she dies you'll be nothing for the rest of your life you'll be the man who killed uh who killed somebody because you weren't willing to be embarrassed on tv You know, to me, that was sort of what was so smart about it was they threw aside politicalness of it and it just showed the power of the masses. And if you think about if you think about even what's happening today with who's that comedian who I never really liked anyway, Bill Cosby. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. I I know it's a reach. (laughs) It's a reach. But here it is. But here it is. You know, Bill Cosby was doing fine until 98% of the country then decided that the pedophile or the, or the um, he's not a pedophile, he's an assaulter of women, supposedly, an alleged assaulter of women, I should say. Okay, until public opinion said that's what he was, even though all the facts were there supporting him having done this for decades, it just wasn't relevant and it never touched him. Once everybody, once public opinion got behind that idea, then Bill Cosby's future is dead. And if you think about it, that is how it plays now. If you can get public opinion to swing your way in such a major, major way, then people will react to public opinion the same way with the Sony thing, with them taking down the interview. You know, Public opinion sways in a way it never did before because there's a the, because the internet provides a methodology and a vehicle for them to get behind something with an immediacy that calls for people to react rather than proactively walking through it. And I can't believe I'm trying to take an intellectual spin to this <laughs> incredibly disgusting well, show, well, see, this is the thing. which uh, you know is still with me two weeks later. I saw it two weeks ago, and sometimes I think about it and I go, ah. I concede you know, utterly that I might have just been over caffeinated at Starbucks. But first is this role of public opinion, because I thought it was portrayed too, um, too much to one degree. So for example, this little weak prime minister in his bathrobe with the ruffled hair, he's constantly looking at polling as if it's a Twitter feed, you know, so every nanosecond, it's like, what are they thinking now? What are they thinking now? So again, no one is running the government. It's the people running the government. You wonder why they even still have a prime minister. And just in terms of what I was hoping to see where somebody might represent um, the other side, and I know there was a heavy-handed line about the world 
world's bloody broken and the journalist saying, you know, we're not a chat room, which I actually did think was a good point, even though they did quickly become a chat room and they folded too. This would be the positive side of technology is that it does, um, on its best days, give voice to the powerless. No, definitely. The, you know, it, you know what it does? It levels the playing field. On its best days. It means you don't have to have, you don't have to have money if what you're doing is compelling, like the the plunge this last summer of, you know, take the whatever it was called when you threw ice over your head. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, that I mean that raised you know a couple hundred million dollars, and it was it was a flatliner that came from nowhere. You know, it just took off sort of exponentially. So that's true. You know, it does level the playing field, and there's good in that. There really is good in that. And, you know, when somebody like a powerful guy like Cosby, and now it's coming out, what he did to restrain this information from coming out and really hurting him in the past, giving interviews to the Inquirer so they don't run a particular piece or whatever, you know, as that stuff starts to unfold, you can recognize that the power do become powerless. And isn't that also interesting that, you know, to have sex with the pig, you're, it's a powerless position for the prime minister of, you know, one of the top countries in the world to, to be in. This is what made it hard for my over-caffeinated self to watch it, is that, um, I mean, clearly this prime minister had never taken negotiating 101. Watching it, you're just thinking, okay, if he really concedes to this and goes through with their demand, there is no guarantee the princess is going to be returned alive. And so I should probably mention one thing that I, I did like, um, although it was a Appalling, and again, it'll probably take me months to recover, is that after he actually follows through with this completely degrading act, we see that the princess has been released, and then Lindsay Duncan gets that phone call saying that she had actually been released 30 minutes before he went through with it. So meanwhile, there he is getting sick to his stomach in the restroom for having fallen so low. And she says, you know, we can never tell him that in the end, he didn't save anything. Yeah, that he, di- he didn't even have to do it is is sort of, well, you know, I think that's true, but you can't negotiate if there's no vehicle of negotiation and there was no open doorway for them to respond back to him. You know, he didn't, the, the kidnapper didn't just said, this is what you have to do or this is going to happen. There's no conversation to be had. And so, you know, you can only negotiate if, if there's a dialogue and there was no dialogue between them. Now, could they have gone public and said, okay, we're not going to do this, but we're going to do this. You know, I don't think that it was sort of set up that way, which is also the the brilliance of them pointing out that in today's world, you know, kidnappers get caught because you have to communicate in a way that uh, people can find out who you are. And in today's world, you can communicate in a way where they don't. But 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 also, we have to talk about the humor in it. Was there like, humor I, in it? I, I missed it entirely. Yes. Wait. I wait. I found a really good example, and you're gonna go. You're gonna laugh and go. You know, you're right. You're right, Hollister. There's humor. Okay. They're in the car, and she's taught. They're in their car on the way to him doing this awful act, and she says, "But you don't. You don't have to worry because we've made it illegal for anyone to download." what's going to be shown or to house it in any way or to publicly display it in any way. So we've made that illegal. So we can arrest anybody who tries to do that. Okay. You don't think that was funny? I mean, I had to laugh out loud. The absurdity of anything that goes online being, uh, you know, it, it is illegal to look at it, download it. I mean, it's absurd. 
You can't control it. Well, so I thought that was funny. See, I mean, it's humor. It's 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 humor in a sick sort of way of. Okay, don't worry. We took care of you. We made once. It, once everybody in the world sees you doing this, they can never see it again. You know, like, are you kidding? I'll, I'll definitely give you absurd, <laughs> but um, somehow I think China has managed to do it. I mean, I remember traveling in Beijing and meeting a man, and he said he has still never seen a photo of the uprising on Tiananmen Square. And even when people from the West have emailed him photos, the attachments never arrive. Well, that's pretty amazing. In these heavy-handed, theme-based shows, I feel like manipulation of the viewer should never trump good storytelling. Obviously, whenever you're telling a story, you're trying to evoke some kind of emotion and reaction in the viewer. Mm -hmm. But to me, this felt um, that I was being spoken to. And again, it's not that I minded the message, because in many ways, I already agree with it. Instead of sitting there saying, what's the most prurient thing we can come up with? And then we'll do a TV show about it. And we'll cut off a finger. And oh, no, he, you know, he's definitely, you know, he's definitely in it for the mass, you know, slap you across the face with this kind of point of view value. No question. Yeah, I guess I, I can do the dark side. I just need it to be more balanced and more <laughs> subtle. That's all I'm saying. The thing I didn't get is I didn't get the title. And titles matter to me. They matter to me a lot. And I think quite often titles have become secondary. It used to be the title was what made you watch something. Now the trailer makes you watch it. And the trailer gives everything away. Don't get me started on why I don't like trailers. But um, but I don't understand the national anthem. I don't. I, what is the national anthem? I, I didn't get that. I'm sure there's a big message in that in terms of, okay, the real national anthem is, you know, public opinion is what drives this country maybe or something like that. But I, I didn't really get the name. Did you get anything from it? When they showed that scene with Alan Leach, the Irish chauffeur from Downton Abbey, and he's there in scrubs and everybody in the hospital has apparently stopped saving lives and they're just watching the TV feed of the prime minister and the pig. Um, I suppose like a national anthem, everybody has stopped what they're doing and they're acting in concert a little bit like group think. Um, um, and okay. it, we're all singing the Twitter feed together as opposed to thinking individually. And yet all it took was this one person somewhere with his internet connection to bring this nation down to its knees. Well, and you know, it turns out in the end that the art, that the terrorist, and I'm going to, I'm going to say two things about the ending too. In the end, the country loves him. His ratings have, a year later after this incident, his ratings have never been higher. And he and his wife are, are, are just returning from some outing uh, where they've, you know, sh- you know shook hands and, and, and done the public uh, waving, etc. And she turns and walks upstairs, and you can tell she hates him now. Mm-hmm. And he lost her love, but he gained the love of the country. And, you know, I, I felt like that was sort of a, a movement of... Um, you know, she clearly felt he shouldn't have done it and um, had no respect for the fact that he did do it. And I don't think I did either, well, uh, to say the least. It was interestingly done, too, because it was almost a surprise as the credits had already started yeah. to roll as they spliced in these scenes of one year hence. And honestly, who yeah. can blame that wife, um, you know, who begged him not to do it, said it won't have an effect one way or the other. So I... I it perhaps had a more dystopic view of that ending because when it said he's still in office, his approval rating is three points higher. To me, that was also bleak saying 
it's almost as though it had no effect whatsoever. Everybody's just gone back to the status quo, yep. even though his marriage was secretly in shambles. And you're thinking, okay, there again, too, they're just doing video performance art for the news cameras. Right. And it's not portraying reality at all. Well, which begs the question is, what is the value of watching this show anyway? Mm-hmm. In other words, is there a value to me in watching it? Is it a danger, danger? Don't get too caught up in technology, which clearly I already am. So that's a problem. But Um, You know, what is the value of this show? And I do think, you know, I do think one of the reasons about why I love screen thoughts and movies and TV is because I think there's value in it. And I don't know if there's value in this or not. I don't know if there's a message or a lesson or what have you. But the other thing is the terrorist turns out to be everybody thinks it's some political terrorist who's trying to make Britain look bad or whatever. It turns out to be an artist and that he basically is presenting this as a new form of art to make him do the pig and show all these different uh, angles of him doing it, et cetera. And there, by the way, there is no porn in this, so you don't, you know. So if you want to watch it to, to watch the scene, don't bother. It's not going to happen. But, um, but, and I and I don't, you know, what is art? You know, it, it, you know, you can go back to art history to figure out what is art. And, uh, but that's the other twister at the end to say, okay, this wasn't done by a terrorist politically but rather artistically and then I thought oh you've gone too far I don't want to know you people anymore and I wanted to turn it off (laughs) so we have to end this with the uh, telegraph which is you know a newspaper in England rated the rated the show four out of five stars commenting virgin territory indeed this was dementedly brilliant idea the satire was so audacious it left me open-mouthed and squealing rather like that poor pig the Independent said this carefully crafted and compact drama is engrossing with the tension rising by degrees as the time moves ever closer to the PM to meet the kidnappers' demands. This got major critical critical acclaim in England, and I don't know if maybe they're more advanced than us or less advanced than us or whatever. To me, it was just it was just bad news. Now, and, I um, hate to be the cynical one, um, but those reviewers were those print reviews those are both newspapers right right and so maybe they're just so upset anyway that newspapers are slowly getting drummed out by online news feeds and twitter feeds and yeah. you know that, yeah. that we well, live in a world you know it's clear you know it's also very politically satirical which is very big over in england and again maybe lost a little bit on us um, and you know, it's sort of like, was it a sci-fi vision of technology's power to distort the world? I don't know. Maybe a voyeuristic approach of just watching as something unfolds in front of us is really sort of creepy. And we really need to regroup and go back to smaller communities. And that's my lesson for this particular and movie, this particular show. I'm sure Edward Moreau is turning in his grave if he had oh, seen for sure. the yes. portrayal of the journalists who are sexting images from the bathroom to try to get someone inside the government to give them a quote. You no, know, and I have to say, I learned a new word, dystopian and dystopia and I'm going to use it again somewhere along the my lifeline so I thank the I thank the show for that but for sure Black Mirror is something you should read about take a look at maybe watch one maybe not that one 
Uh, and, and interesting that there were only three episodes per season, which goes to show what you can do in terms of structuring a season in the UK where you can have shorter seasons. Especially when the episodes don't relate to each other. I think that would have been harder to do if the storyline took place over the episodes. Each episode is so totally different that they could upload it faster. They can shoot three and then put it up. And I'm sure that they shot three to see if it was even going to take off. Why bother with six when you, this thing could die in the water, you know? And I can easily imagine that would be a huge draw for the top talent and the best actors where you can do a one-off. Oh, for sure. But I guess for sure. my bottom line, Hollister, is that I am running back to the DVD of Pollyanna that you gave me and watching it as a little <laughs> cure. Okay. All right. And I apologize for making you watch this, but I'm glad we talked about it because it sort of got rid of it for me. And now maybe I can put it to bed, so to speak. Our Black Mirror exorcism. 